This deal finally ends the saga of Lowry marketing in his career in Chicago after four seasons. The Bulls have rejected several trade packages for marketing this offseason, but finally agreed to a deal. Welcome to Triple Zeros. I'm your host, Josh Buckhalter. This is the Anti-Hot Take Sports Show because the game's not over until the clock strikes Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com, and the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. That voice you heard was one Sham Sharania talking about the uh, big blockbuster, I guess, at this point in the offseason in the NBA. That's a blockbuster trade that went down between the Chicago Bulls and a couple of other teams. We'll get to that in a second, though, because we got to, you know, it's a switch now, man. We in football season, so we have to flop things around. We'll get to that in a little bit. First, <laughs> we had a few starting quarterback announcements coming ahead of the regular season. You know, this is the last weekend of the preseason. Only three games this year uh, under the new CB- or the new agreement. And the first one that stood out, Squint Twins, my boy Jameis, uh, gets the nod down in New Orleans after beating out Taysom Hill. He did this mostly with his performance in the uh, in their preseason game. Last weekend. And here's the thing about that. Duh. Okay. Listen, man. Taysom Hill's a good story. Uh, I know Sean Payton likes him. I know that a lot of people want to want him to be as good as Lamar Jackson when they talk about him. But he's not. Um, Lamar Jackson. Listen. That comparison alone is asinine because Lamar Jackson is a guy who uh, has led the league. You know, MVP winner. For, forget. It. We're not going to go into stats. He's won the MVP. Taysom Hill ain't even sniffed a, a award other than maybe a community service award. For the team so for all of that build up that there was you know oh man he could it could be Taysom Taysom's been working I'm pretty sure Sean Payton knew from jump who it wasn't going to be and was just hoping that Jameis could put it together now that being said I do think that Jameis is going to have one hell of a season this year especially if Michael Thomas gets his act together and gets back down there um I think that had this been the case from the beginning maybe we, won't, we don't see this kind of conflict between the two sides that they had he known who he was going to but going from Drew Brees to anybody would make you kind of salty so I'm not necessarily going to hold that against Michael Thomas I will say that Sean Payton uh showed that he's a loyal guy because anybody with a brain would have told you from jump that Jameis has probably the inside track of starting just because he's a more traditional quarterback and if we want to be fair to Taysom it it definitely helps to have him in that other role a little bit more than it does to have him sitting there lining up a quarterback. That's not to say that he can't during it do it still while Jameis is a starter, but it definitely is a lot more beneficial to have him in that wild, not wildcat, but that kind of a Swiss Army knife role. You can line him up anywhere, do a couple of, of different things with him in the formation, with him and Jameis in the formation, no less. So um, not surprising one bit, but I'm very happy for Jameis that he's kind of, um, that he's earned his way back into the starting spot. You know, that was my boy coming out of Florida State. Um, has had a, a few maturity issues along the way. Uh, but his biggest issue was the turnovers. So I'm 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 very interested to see. Remember, he had that 33 touchdown, 30 interception season. I'm very just interested to see uh, how Peyton balances letting Jameis do what he does best, and that's throw that ball, while also being able to rein him in enough to keep those turnovers down. We know how much he hates turnovers. How much Saints fans haven't even seen him with Breeze in the past few years. So... That's one that was 
easily predictable, but still was a nice surprise to see. Just because, look, man, with all the talk coming out, it sounded like there was a real good shot that they were going to give Taysom Hill the, the job, regardless of what happened. Um, glad that didn't go down that way, and glad even more so for Jameis that he gets a chance to start again and show everybody that he deserves to be a starter. Um, another one of my boys, Teddy Two Gloves. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater got the nod out in Denver. Now, this one kind of hurts because I am a Drew Locke fan, mostly because of his sideline antics when he was rapping to Jeezy. I don't really care about the play on the field. He has the tools, but clearly he hasn't been able to pull, pull, put them all together, which is why they were looking at quarterbacks in the first place. Now, I will say that this decision was met with a lot of backlash simply because of the investment in Locke, the investment in a cornerback in this year's past in this past draft, as opposed to drafting a quarterback when Justin Fields is right there on the clock, um, shout out to Vic Fangio for letting Justin Fields fall to the Bears. I don't necessarily think that this is a bad move. They're going to be a running team. Um, was it Javante Williams? I think that's his name. Running back there. Um, you got three great weapons in in Jerry Judy, uh, uh, KJ Hamler, and uh, my boy Cor- Cortland Sutton. So like, there's there's room. For Bridgewater to show out, he's sustained fantasy wise. He's sustained those receivers, so those weapons will be fine. Wins wise, though, they're going to need that defense to step up. Uh, Teddy is a guy who is probably on the higher end of this bracket, but he's definitely in the game manager bracket. You're not going to want him to make too many plays. There has to make too many plays to kind of to have to bring you back. You want them to stay on schedule, and so that's why a team that's, that's built around the run and defense can can work with him, can win with him. I don't know how many games they can win, how high they can go, but they can win with him. Is that does that make him a better uh, option for them than Drew Locke? That's hard to say. That's hard to say because I, I do feel like uh, Locke's development has been hindered by not having a true offensive-minded uh, head coach. That's nothing against Vic. I love Vic, but we know that that defensive head coaches have to have to have to nail their offensive coordinator position if they want their young quarterback to be successful because they just don't get the same kind of attention that they would otherwise. Um, like I said with Michael Thomas, I think that this is a good move for him. For Jerry Judy, I don't know. Because while he'll get the ball a lot, there definitely won't be as many deep shots. Um, they won't score as many points, I don't think, because they're not taking those explosive plays. We've seen that there's a correlation between explosive plays and touchdowns. So, I, I just don't necessarily think that it'll be, uh, it'll be the best move. But I understand, and I'm not mad at it because again, Teddy's my boy, so I don't I don't hate it. But it definitely uh, mm, mm, that one you squint a little bit harder than you seen the James one was obvious. This one was a little bit more, especially because, like I said, they passed on Justin Fields largely because they said they believed in what Drew Lock was going to do. Broncos country was out here puffing their chest out too after Justin Fields got smacked around in week two, and after they got to see uh, what Patrick Peterson the second would do. When he returned that interception for a touchdown, they're like, see, all about Justin Fields, though. Now you got to worry about Teddy Bridgewater. And I know y'all not happy about that. Don't try to spin it no more. Listen, I said this on Twitter. Again, follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. No matter how good Patrick Peterson becomes, he could be all pro. He could be top two and not two in the league at cornerback. If Justin Fields hits the way that they expect him to in Chicago, it won't matter. It won't matter what Patrick Peterson has become. Because they will forever be looked at as a team that passed on the guy who clearly wanted to be there. That's what a lot of his reaction on draft night was stone-faced. And he got a lot of flack for it because, oh, he doesn't want to be a bear. Ah, does he not want to be a bear? Or did he not want to fall as far as he fell? It's two different things. And I think it was, it was the latter. And I think 
Denver passing up on him was the one that kind of was like, oh, okay. Okay. Now, again, I'm not mad at it. I love that it happened. But I do think that this is ultimately going to be what hurts uh, not only Vic Fangio and uh, George Payton, who might be who might get a little bit of leeway because, you know, he gets a little time. And Elway's a god there, so I'll never say it'll, it'll end his career there. But it's not a good look that Elway's been there for a decade. And after that decade, their best two options apparently have been Peyton Manning and now Teddy Bridgewater. Peyton Manning, he got lucky. Teddy Bridgewater, we'll see if he's lucky or if he if they're making a grave mistake. It's rough, man. Uh, you also have Trevor, Trevor Lawrence starting. Duh. Listen, man. You don't get the first overall pick. You don't do all these changes that you have down in Jacksonville just to run it back with Gardner Minshew. Um, no disrespect to the George Master. No disrespect to his fan base. Uh, but there is no way in, in, on God's green earth that I was going, if I'm Urban Meyer, that I'm going to let Gardner Minshew kick off my inaugural season down in Jacksonville. Okay? Now I would expect that he gets moved because he wants to be a contender, but if not, Minshew makes for a hell of a backup player to Lawrence. There's going to be some growing pains with Lawrence, and you're going to be tempted to go back to it, but you can't. You don't do that because you need, you need Lawrence to get out there and, and work it out, especially after the preseason that we've seen, man. They have not looked good. And that brings you to a real point. Before I go back to, into this other stuff, um, we talked about it last week, man. That Urban Meyer experience has got to be wearing thin. And this week we got reports from that there are players who are indeed un- dissatisfied with the way things are going down with Meyer. All of the extra commotion, all of the off-field stuff, his antics. Um, and you saw it in his presser a week ago. A man was looking scratched. Not stressed. Scratched with a C. And a, a couple extra R's. A couple extra S's. Like a whole lot of, of extra superfluous letters. Because he was under it. And you could tell it. You can see it in his face, and you just wonder, did he talk to Nick Saban about college coaching to NFL? Because all, and, and granted, it's preseason, so he could just be pulling a big old okie doke on everybody, but all of the reports are how bad the offensive line is, which is funny, because everybody was talking about how great Trevor Lawrence looks behind their crappy offensive line, but don't talk about the Bears having an offensive line. We'll get to that in a second, because I got to that before, and I don't want to dwell on that too, too much, but I will, I will touch it. Um, wow, that's a drop. Um, they're, they're, they're running them out there. You have to, you have to, but that offense is looking rough and the, the pick of Travis Etienne, hopefully he gets back healthy next year. Looks really bad. Now anybody could have gotten injured, but it looks really bad because you got an, a running back injured and you still got one. So like you lose them and you didn't really lose much. So like, it's an indictment in that way. But there's just a lot of stuff going on in Jacksonville. The coach, the the Tim Tebow crap. There's a lot of extra things that guys in the NFL won't put up with. It's kind of like baseball fans. I keep baseball to myself. I don't really talk baseball too much. You see the Cubs fan right here. Um, Joe Madden for the Cubs. Got into a World Series. Did it with the, with the Tampa Bay Rays. He's a great manager. Got the young guys to play together and, and found different motivational ways to keep everybody on track during the season eventually those different ways, those creative ways fall on deaf ears. No matter what, that's just, if you have the same group of guys hearing that same message, because even if you're trying to be outside of the box, eventually outside of the box becomes the box. And so they, they tune that kind of stuff out. And in Jacksonville already, it sounds as though that's the case. 
Thought you could see it coming from a mile away. Talked about it last week. Get confirmation of that this week. It's insane. They got a lot of work. They're going to have to win. Winning will solve a lot of that, but it seems like they're a long way from actually doing that. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum with the rookie quarterbacks, though, you have Trey Lance and Justin Fields, who will apparently both be starting off their season on the bench. Trey Lance is a bit surprising. Um, I know that Jimmy G has gotten them, was part of that team, was the starting quarterback when they went to the Super Bowl, but damn it if I wouldn't not be trying to... Listen, we've seen what that offense is with him. We've seen what he is in that offense. We've seen where his limitations are. Unless he's got a, another gear that he's been showing in camp, man, I would. there's got to be a reason that you put Trevor Long or Trey Lance out there. You have a better offensive line than most of these other rookies. You have a better defense than most of these other rookies. And you have a much better play caller and head coach than most of these other rookies. There's no reason that you don't start Trey Lance, who looked really good. He looked as good as, as Justin Fields has looked this, this uh, preseason. I thought that Fields looked really good. Um... And Fields starts behind Andy Dalton. Now, listen, I've been championing, championing this for a while. Let him sit. You let him sit. First of all, you don't want him to have to get blown up by Aaron Donald. And no, stop stop with the overreacting. You're not going to hide him from everybody. But you do want to see how your offensive line holds up that hasn't been healthy all preseason. Now, they are expected to get a, a, a healthy starting lineup, I believe, I believe, of Jason Peters, Cody Whitehair, um, Sam Mustafer, James Daniels, and Jermaine Effetti. Now, Effetti is the most questionable, if I'm not mistaken. But Larry Borum, rookie Larry Borum, fifth-round pick who's been impressive, is, uh, I believe, available. So we should have about as close to a starting offensive line for the Bears on Saturday as they've had this entire preseason. And it just so happens to be Justin Fields' first start. Now, he won't have any of his weapons, and the offensive line will only be out there for about a series or two, which, in my opinion, means that Fields should probably only be there for this series or two because you don't want to get him crushed again behind a crap offensive line. Um, granted, that, that big hit he took was his fault for not recognizing the hot, hot man, but I digress. You got to help protect him from himself sometimes. That's why he's a rookie. That's why you're the head coach. Anyway, I would expect him to start sometime this season because I don't think Andy Dalton's good, but I do think that the popular theories of Dalton getting to you know, get some revenge on the Bengals and then um, the the game against the Lions being a nice, soft landing spot for Fields. Now, what I will say is I do also see a scenario where Dalton's not necessarily, you know, bombing like we want to want it to appear because his stats in the preseason didn't look horrible. He just wasn't impressive. But if he's the same way in the season, you could see Fields not see the field for a while. Because that's what Matt Nagy wants to do. And to that end, I am all for it. We talk a lot about Matt Nagy's shortcomings and what he can't do. But what we, we don't talk about enough is when things are right, they are right. Um, we've seen him scheme guys open. We've seen that's that's some of the superlatives that I'm talking about is how great he is at scheming guys open. When things are working. The problem he runs into is when things don't work. He's not very good at adjusting on the fly. He's not very good at adapting to the situation. And he's not very good at, at identifying the strengths and weaknesses of his personnel. However, I do think that his play calling, along with Andy Dalton's predictability, because you know what you're going to get, could lead to the Bears being steady enough. Not good, not bad. Steady enough to where we don't get the, the push back from the top that many want to see in him be gone. Um, maybe they, they change play callers sooner than, than expected, but by all accounts, I would expect Nagy to uh, ride this out the way he wants to. And since he's not good at, at, at 
on the fly adjustments, I prefer it this way. Don't do anything that you're not comfortable with, Matt Nagy, because that would lead you to doing something that you're not comfortable with with Justin Fields, which could lead to him being uncomfortable and him being uh, him flaming out. We don't want that. So hold on as long as you feel like you need to. If this is the, the, the method that he feels is, most, is best for him and what he's trying to do with, with Fields, so be it. This, though, could create that scenario I was talking about last week where we could see Matt Nagy uh, succeed Ryan Pace as the general manager in title for the Bears. We've heard that he's already assumed that role in action, uh, but it would be not a surprise over here, at least, if he were to do so um, in actuality as well. So just keep that in mind. Keep that one under your hat um, as we get ready for this season here. Now, I said the Bears will play their last uh, preseason game on Saturday. They are facing the Tennessee Titans. The Titans happen to have nine players, including their head coach, Mike Vrabel, on COVID, uh, under the COVID protocols, health and safety protocols. This game should not be played. You just, you just should. They've already canceled one. They canceled um, the Cardinals game, I want to say, the Cardinals-Eagles game. You got to cancel. That was, no, was it Cardinals-Eagles? It was due to a hurricane. Might be the Saints game. It's escaping me right now. Uh, but... Nine people on this team, including the head coach. This sounds like a situation that's probably a lot worse than we're letting on right now. And you're going to send these guys out there to, to, to deal with uh, the Bears. I, that's a lot of contagion. And we've already seen Vax people test positive. We'll talk about that in a second. I just, I don't feel like this is necessary for a preseason game where they're not even going to be having Tannehill's not there. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, this is not, why? Why force this? Why force it? Now, granted, they're going to be testing and the guys who are there are going to all have tested negative. But man, I would be a little leery knowing how many games, how the schedule had to be shuffled around last year. I would be a little leery of running this one through for the third and final preseason game. At least if I'm, if I'm both teams, especially the Bears, though, I'm probably going to pull some of those guys. Ah, man, it's tough. It's tough. I, I don't know if I'd let this be in Phil's first start. I, I'm just saying, not to be scared, but you you get you get knocked out for a week. You lose guys for a week at least. That's just if they don't if they're not even uh, actually positive, they just test positive. You lose them for five days. That's a, that's. So, I would just be. I'm just. I'm still a little bit surprised that this game is going to be uh, continuing on as planned. Cole Beasley of the Buffalo Bills. Speaking of the vac stuff, as I told you, listen. listen. He's going to get to it, okay? They have given him plenty of, of anti-vax material this time. You know, he's the, the most vocal. He's got out there. And surprisingly, the Bills have been behind him because I don't care what anybody says. They gave him time and space for that presser he did a few weeks ago. So they're complicit with whatever he's done. That's, that was a bit odd to me to have the team sanction a press conference like that for a player to go against the rules that they have been set forth to abide by. So um, his PA as well, but... This week, Beasley was held out going through health and safety protocols because of a trainer that tested positive who was not vaxxed. And he, who tested positive, who was vaxxed, Beasley has no symptoms. Or I think he's tested negative. And he still had to go through it. Now, to his point, if you're negative and you've been vaxxed, he hasn't, but you've been vaxxed, which may be playing the point of why he has been held, away, held out, um, there probably isn't as much reason to keep you away as we thought at one time. But regardless of how, how accurate, how closely it aligns with what he believes, we know he's about to run with it. The remix to his, his song is probably about to drop tomorrow. 
Okay, before right ahead of the regular season, I got this new hot, hot remix. My biggest thing with all of this, this entire time, has just been how poorly all sides have seemed to work together on this. The PA and the NFL seem to have something working that they've been working on together. The players and the and the PA have something they've been working on. And then the players and the NFL just need to be added, period. The NFL is a juggernaut. But the one thing that'll get a juggernaut taken out is consistently mishandling situations that you probably should have foreseen coming. And coming into this season, there should have been much better communication, much clearer uh, instruction, and a much, I don't want to say much more acceptable because you'll never get everybody to agree with everything, but I mean, the plan's pretty clear as it is, I, but I just don't think that there is, there is enough of a unified message. There's not, there's just not. And I know there wouldn't ever be a completely unified message, but your PA seems to be working almost against its own players at, at a lot of these turns. And we know the NFL never cares, but at the same time, the PA and the NFL get into it. So it's just hard. It's, it's all bad. It's all bad. All I'm saying is watch out for that Beasley mixtape. Okay. It's coming. Anti-vax 2.0. Switching gears. Nerlens Noel, big man Nerlens Noel, is suing Clutch Sports, claiming that the agency is responsible for him missing out on tens of millions of dollars uh, after he turned down an offer years ago and ended up now uh, just resigning with the with the New York Knicks for a hefty sum, but still not nearly what he was claiming that he's missed out on. Now, my only problem with this is all of it. Okay, I like Nerlens Noel. Um, not a, a fan of clutch sports, but I am a fan of Rich Paul and what he's done. Uh, regardless of how he got his start, he's, he's taking it a run with it. You can talk about maybe that's not fair because LeBron is now has, has an agent in everybody's ear, whatever. The fact is, you can't accuse or blame your agent for you not signing a better deal because you didn't sign the deal. Because you ultimately decided to take their advice. Granted, they're there for the That's why you hire. That's why you pay. That's why you keep them on retainer. But you don't have to take that advice. Especially when that advice tells you to hold on because you're a quote-unquote $100 million player. Are you, though? Nerlens, you missed out on your first year with injuries. Battled them throughout your whole career. $100 million? And to make matters worse... Story is that they met up and this whole conversation about the $100 million happened at a party in a social setting. Noel then fired his agent and joined up with Clutch. He's since left Clutch, joined up with two other agents, and they've gotten him his new deal with, with uh, the Knicks. And as I pull up how much that deal is worth here, give me one second. I just don't understand how... Uh, I don't understand how you can blame somebody when you sound that deal. And of course, like I said, you passed up on the money. One thing that I think players understand that I've been talking about a lot is that the NBA is and really in professional sports, but the NBA in particular salary cap is myth. Um, you don't, he's made 35 million in the in his, in his, uh, in his career, turned down 70 million with, uh, to, to do the clutch thing. Cost him 58. He says, and you you made the decision. It's ultimately yours. He works for you. And 
now you're trying to come back saying that he caused you to miss $58 million. He just got so many other places. That's the other thing about this. Paul has got so many positive stories from his clients. Guys like Lonzo Ball, who we just got 80 some odd million dollars. He's about to get Zach a bag too, because Zach just joined, joined Clutch. Zach Levine just joined Clutch Sports. We'll talk about that in a second too. Like, I don't, I don't, what, what? 58 million between 2017 and 2020. He's also, uh, this is also at the end of a tale of a Clutch Sports recently filing a grievance with the PA, claiming that Noel withheld $200 in commissions from his previous contract. So it almost feels like they're trying to get back at him for trying to get at them, which I don't blame him because this is stupid. You're going to blame me for you not signing the deal. You left. Social settings are not business meetings. Period. Full stop. Just going to leave it at that. Social settings are not business meetings. And I think Noel, Erlen's Noel found that out the hard way. Kevin Love is on the buyout market. And one of the things that is interesting here is he's a done deal pretty much to go to Atlanta or to, I'm sorry, to, to Los Angeles. But I do wonder about his fits in other cities and other teams, such as with the Hawks. Now, it would be in a bench role, um, as I'm expecting he would be in L.A. as well. But off the bench, Kevin Love could still give you some good points. He probably aligns too closely with what Gallinari gives you, but he's a much better rebounder, uh, worse defender. Still, that group in L.A. is about to be something serious, man. They're about to be, they're about to be old, a little bit brittle. Right, but they they're about to be something serious. You got Russ, LeBron, Melo, AD, and apparently or presumably now soon Kevin Love. They're making progress. The Cavs are. Cavs are making some weird decisions this this postseason. Um, it's a weird clunky. They're not all going to play together. Unless you're putting LeBron at the one and Russ at the two, then you got Melo three, uh, Caleb at the four, and AD at the five. You could do that. You know what? Maybe they do that. Maybe they do that because you get shooting with AD, Kevin Love, and uh, and uh, Carmelo. Maybe they run that. That's a nasty little lineup. I'm, 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 listen, I haven't done something in a long time. One thing that, that's been tough about adding in the extra writing, I love writing for Soaring Down South and Pippin Ain't Easy and Last Word. But it's definitely taken a toll on my writing for Clocker. And I've been, I've been talking about so many topics over the past weeks that just have not come to fruition. My fantasy stuff's been gone by the wayside this year with the extra responsibilities. But I do want to talk about that lineup that I just talked about there. LeBron, Russ, Melo, K-Love, AD. At first blush, you're like, oh man, that wouldn't work. But then you think about it, wait, no, no, that, that could work. Because LeBron shoots well enough now that he doesn't have to be the point guard in the half court or, or in transition. Russ can cut enough and do enough of the other things that he doesn't have to have the ball in half court. I'm just, oof, that's, that's one, that's a legends lineup right there, man. Does have a touch of that, that Peyton Malone Lakers feel to it, but overall, I like it. Kevin Love on the bio market, man. I'm going to explore for soaring. I'm definitely doing for, for soaring down South, the possibility of a Kevin Love. Uh, nah, maybe not definitely. Cause like I just said, it's pretty much a done deal. He's going to LA. So we'll see. We'll see if I explore it. Uh, maybe not though. The Bulls, though, speaking of the Cavaliers. And this one, this one deserves all the praise. And this is how I'll end it because I want to go on a little bit of a, of a baby rant about this. The Chicago Bulls yesterday, Arturis Conosovas, Vice President of Basketball Operations and General Manager Mark Eversley, uh, pulled off the not unthinkable, but damn it, the unlikely at this point in the offseason and traded one Lowry disgruntled Markinen 
to the Cleveland Cavaliers in a three-team deal that will see uh, the Cavs send Larry Nance Jr. to the Portland Trailblazers, and Portland send Derrick Jones Jr. along with a uh, protected first-round pick, lottery protected, and a protected uh, second-round pick. Not sure what that one is. Uh, probably the same thing. To the Bulls. So, for a player that was disgruntled, went on a podcast talking about he didn't want to play anymore and has been pretty much acting like it was everybody else's fault but his own, well, we got this the other day. I'm Shams Sharania here with breaking news presented by AT&T 5G. Sources tell me the Bulls, Cavaliers, and Trailblazers have agreed to a three-team trade that sends Lowry Markkinen to Cleveland on a four-year, $67.5 million deal, Larry Nance Jr. to the Trailblazers, and Derek Jones Jr., a protected first-round pick and a protected second-round pick to the Bulls. And this deal finally ends the saga of Lowry Markkinen and his career in Chicago after four seasons. The Bulls have rejected several trade packages for marketing this offseason, but finally agreed to a deal that brings an expiring contract in Jones Jr., a guy who will play in that rotation in Chicago, as well as draft compensation. The Cavaliers get a guy in Lowry Markin who has upside and potential, and the Trailblazers get a guy in Nance who's experienced and plays well on both ends of the floor and can add depth to their front court. I like this deal for the Portland and for the Bulls. Portland gets Nance, who can do some two-way things and is a, a nice athletic presence for them. I'm bringing some highlights to that group. Cleveland, or the Bulls, get, like they said, Derrick Jones Jr., who's an athletic wing who can defend, but is also an expiring contract. And they also get that draft capital that people were so, so upset that the, the Bulls gave up to get DeMar DeRozan. There's a really good chance that the Bulls' first-round picks that they sent out won't be as good as the one that they get back this year from this deal. On top of that, Derrick Jones Jr. adds to a wing rotation that includes Tim Troy Brown Jr. and uh, Javante Green, but also has Patrick Williams starting and and Demar Derozan ahead. So Derrick Jones Jr. won't be relied upon to to contribute heavy minutes, but he'll be part of the rotation, and he can play some small ball five in a pinch. And the deal comes up so they maintain some financial flexibility going forward. Look out. Coming towards the deadline, though, for guys like Kobe White, uh, for for Kobe White uh, <laughs> only, really, especially because they've already shown that that the previous regime's draft picks were not good enough to their uh, for their standards. Kobe, you have until I believe the All Star break to, or the deadline, excuse me, to to show that you belong here. Not saying that he won't or that he hasn't, but I think he needs to. Uh, Cleveland, though, what the hell is going on? They just paid Jared Allen. They just drafted Evan Mobley. And now you bring in, uh, not only did you bring in Marketing, who has complained about wanting to be a starter, but you paid him $15 million. I would imagine he starts over Mobley. Mobley stays at the five, backing up Jared Allen. But it's just a, a, a wild sequence of events for a team that has all the big men right now. Before they had Ness, they still had Kevin Love, Allen, Mobley, Marketing, and. Uh, I know. I'm, oh, they just, they just, they, they didn't tender Isaiah Hartenstein this offseason. They're just making the weirdest move. Why would you trade for? I'm not a Cavs fan. I'm a Bulls fan. So I appreciate them making these kind of mistakes because that's what this is. This is a mistake. But at the same time, what the hell are you doing? It just doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me. But I digress. 
as 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 much as I want to, you know, scratch my head over what they did, all I can really do is be happy with what the Bulls did. And they have not only solidified this group for this year, solidified some of their future for next year, and my favorite part, shut up a lot of the crying. Because I don't know what people thought was going on. Uh, you know, you maybe listen to me, too many of the outside pundits about how they feel. John Hollinger got to be super salty right now. The pr- people were re- were just running the bulls to the ringer because of their their exorbitant amount they paid for Demar Derozan, but they ignored two things. One, the salary cap is going to rise, and that deal that he signed won't look nearly as bad in a couple of years. When you talked about it, it was going oh in three is going to look the worst. In three years, it'll look better than it does right now, and I don't think it looks bad right now. Three things actually, not two. The fit, which if you had DeMar operating as more of a point guard or more of an offensive hub or, and a cutter on the offensive end as opposed to a spot-up shooter, what the problem is? Because everybody else can do everything else. What the problem is? Thirdly, and it's this, that draft capital that you gave up, you can get it right back. I'm not even worried about draft picks. I have tweeted out this picture several times, uh, but it's Arturus Karnasovas with this famous fake Michael Jordan quote of F them kids. Bro, I'm not worried about draft picks anymore. Development takes a while. I'm a guy who's told you that if Pat Williams didn't come along quicker, that it could be it could be uh, shape up and ship out for him. I think he will take that leap this year. I think he's shown a lot more confidence. We definitely saw him be more aggressive in summer league. So, listen, man, stop it. You're used to to crap from guard packs for a tw- two decades, damn near. This is not that. And the fact that they've turned this roster over so much so fast should let you know that this is way different. Way different. Now, I will say this. That Zach Levine signing with Clutch thing, open up the checkbook. He about to get paid. He about to get paid. And we know that Rich Paul is like Scott Boris and that he ain't leaving no money on the table. What I will say, though, is this. Lonzo Ball is also a Clutch agent. and. Zach Levine was heavy in recruiting DeMar DeRozan, heavy influence on that. So while it does mean that Zach's going to get paid, it probably also means he's going to get paid by the Bulls. So I I, I will keep an eye on that, but I'm not going to be too worried about it because I do believe that ultimately this group will be the one that stays together. And while they might not be a championship group, what they are is an exciting group that's building the reputation back up of this franchise, which is exactly what uh, Arturis Karnasovas and Mark Eversley were brought in to do. So, to everybody out there who was upset about draft picks, upset about overpaying for DeMar DeRozan, worried about the fit, don't be. They got this. In AK, you trust. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports, website, ClockerSports.com, and the email address, ClockerSports at gmail.com. And, of course, read the stuff. Last Run Pro Football, pipping it easy and soaring down south. Until the very next time, man. This deal finally ends the saga of Lowry Martin and his career in Chicago.